Hey everybody and welcome back to the Board Game Mechanics. Uh, tonight you may be hearing extra noises such as kids jumping on beds, um, kids yelling at each other and shrieking, and then subsequently Jason and I losing our minds and yelling at our children. All that is the extra bonus footage tonight for you guys on the podcast. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And by you might hear that noise, you most definitely probably will hear that noise. <laughs> Our kids always insist they're not tired when it's bedtime, and then they act like wild hooligans for at least 20 minutes. Yeah, it plus. sounds like there's a crash of rhinos above my head. That's what it sounds like. That's crazy. And we, I have the windows open down here, so we have a neighbor who likes to drive by on his motorcycle real loud, so that could happen. I mean, this is real life. Yeah. Jamming some country music real loud. Yep. Sometimes he has some classic rock. Uh, I've only, I guess I've only heard the country so far. He's got some standards to keep or whatever. Yeah, I guess. I try to block it out because it fills me with uh, a rage. So I try to like uh, keep that turned down a little bit. Yeah, I wish I could ignore it, but... I can't. All right, so to keep from talking about our crazy kids or being enraged by our neighbor, let's talk about some news. The first item of news is something that I am so pumped about. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited about this. You be quiet. Don't mock me. It came out of nowhere. I, I Or else I'm not paying attention, and I just happen to see it. There is a new consulting detective. That's right. One of my absolute favorite games, Consulting Detective. And as I mentioned on my unboxing, you can be like, oh, it's an experience. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. It's a game to me. Get over yourself. I mean, it is a game. You're still reading and deducing some things. So, I mean, if if this isn't a game, Clue isn't a game or a any other deduction game isn't a game. So, yeah, I think it's a game. Thank you. So this latest implementation of Consulting Detective is called the Baker Street Irregulars, which if you know anything about Sherlock Holmes, you'll know the Baker Street Irregulars are his kind of gang and network of street urchins that, you know, feed him info and help him find some stuff out through the underground. That's a sweet, ga a sweet gang name. It is. It's totally cool. I think that should be <laughs> our, our band name. <laughs> the Baker Street Irregulars. That is pretty sweet. I like it. I know, right? It's Jason probably it's Smith probably taken. Baker Street Regulars. It probably yeah, is. It's probably it's really cool. Some stupid British band, I'm sure, is doing it. Well, to be fair, <laughs> they might have a little more claim to it than us. Yeah, that's true. But in the Baker Street Regulars, it's supposed to be like a little more of an introductory type cases, which I'm not thrilled about because I've done some serious casework with uh, Consulting Detective, and I love that. But they've introduced like some new mechanisms with like tracking, um, like your play throughout the cases so i'm really interested to see what that's like and you know let's face it it's a consulting detective game of course i want it badly however i usually don't buy it straight off the bat it looks like you know it's gonna be about 40 bucks brand new and um i don't know if jason will let me buy it 40 bucks but i I'm willing to wait until a few people play it and I can get it secondhand. I don't mind. Yeah, I can I can get you a good secondhand copy for like twenty bucks. <laughs> I like I like that price point. It's nice. I know, but I do love Consulting Detective and I'm excited for some new cases. And so if you are new to Consulting Detective and you hear me ramble on and on about it and want to try it, um, this looks like this would be a good place to get started. 
Um, especially because the initial set of cases, which are somewhat easier, are in the bad translated version. So there's some typos and things that I think aren't done as well as what Space Cowboy has been doing with the newer versions. So um, if you've ever wanted to give Consulting Detective a try, I think the Baker Street Irregulars would be a good place to start. And then once you do it, you'll be hooked. So that's my first piece of news. Yeah, that's. I know you're super excited about it. I, I, I don't really care, but it's definitely something we'll probably have to pick up so you can play it. Of course. Um, so then my next thing is off Kickstarter. And I thought this was, I was drawn in by the artwork on this game. And it's called Isla and Something Shiny. And this is a really cute little kind of choose your path adventure game. But it says it's replayable. And it's for one to three players. So I could see this being a really great little solo game. You're this adorable little rabbit named Isla. And, you know, you've got these um, little things that you have to do each day. Um... It's, I mean, the artwork is like the most freaking adorable thing I've ever seen. I mean, is this, is this a kid's game or no? No, it's not. Oh, it looks like a kid's game from all the pictures that I've seen on it. It does because you get like these little comic booklets that give you um, like the introduction to what's going on in each chapter. And but there's like a, this little game board. And so you've got these cards and you play like present cards. So these are things that are happening now and you make choices. And based on the choices you make, you're getting some resources, you know, you have some energy, you're gaining some knowledge because you play so many rounds. It's seven rounds, I believe. So it's like and there's a day and a night phase. So at the end of at the end of each day and you go into night, um, there's some things you can do at night, but you also need to be able to expend an energy because, you know, you work the whole day. So you have to have that. Otherwise, you lose health. So you play until you've solved your goal because there's different goals um, and goal cards for each chapter. And or you or you solve the goal, you go through seven days and nights or you lose your health, which happens if you don't get have enough energy or some of the other things that happen. Um, there are 220 plus like event cards. So like little events happen. And it's interesting because like you'll get these cards and it might tell you like, oh, if you choose this, draw a certain card from the story deck and put it in the future. And so it's something that's going to happen later. Or you put it on this little stand, which is what's coming up next. And it'll be like the next choice you have to be. And there's map cards. And oh my goodness, you can even buy a little plushie of Isla. And from her friends too. Oh my gosh, these are adorable. I didn't see all these add-ons. It's just a really cute, it's like taking something that, like there are bigger like story type games but this is just like this is one that appeals to me because it's cute and fun and lighthearted. but you're still like making decisions you're still working towards goals um it has like this really neat setup it's got like real looks like really nice components i think it looks so interesting so i'm i'm digging on this there's combats and riddles and movement and all kinds of things and they kind of ease you into that with chapter two and like there's new rules before each chapter. Like, I just think it looks great. So that's Isla and Something Shiny. That's 22 days left on Kickstarter. So plenty of time to check it out. And um, to just get the basic game is $54. But it's not like you're just getting a book. It's like... It's a board and A stuff. book and a placemat and um, map cards and riddle cards and goal cards and item cards and event cards and... 
chapter boxes and 100 plus tokens and they are shaped tokens people carrots and stars and books and hearts and um special dice and comic 16 comic booklets and a cute card stand that's a ton of stuff um for only about 53 bucks so that is isla and something shiny it almost sounds like a mixture of choose your own adventure books and the exit games and the unlock games all mixed together from what you were um, describing a little bit. Okay, I don't I think it's less exity unlocky than than more maybe like um near and far above and below cuz you're following the story and making decisions within the story, but some of those decisions and things that you have to do do involve some puzzles. But I don't, I don't think there's a ton of those in there. But there are some, and like the art isn't like you read a, you read like a little um, book to introduce you to a new chapter, and then there's one that kind of closes it out as well. That's but cool. I think it's some, if you like those kind of games, it is something to take a look at. It's adorable and it looks super fun, especially I think solo gaming. This would be like a good time and something I would totally play with. So check out Island Something Shiny. That's cool. Yeah, uh, sounds pretty interesting. I wonder if the girls could like it. Or is it too I, too big for them? It might be too big for them to play by themselves, but I think it might be fun if we played like together. Like I said, okay, you know they could read the cards like, and then they could make the choices. I and because there's nothing scary about it. I I think it seems like I I don't know um, if it would be too hard, but I think it would be something they would totally want to get into because of how it looks and the the tactileness of the pieces and stuff that they would probably jump in. So I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Not that you'll buy it at $54, but it would be really fun. You're right. It would be really fun. <laughs> All right. The next thing I found on Kickstarter is something also completely different. And I periodically, I can't always pick the boring euros out there. I got to find something different. So this next one is called The Messenger, an Immersive Mystery. And so it's like this narrative puzzle that you get a parcel you get a parcel when you back this and it's a big parcel that has contents and a lot of it is a surprise so they can't totally tell you um but there's different documents like journals and maps and ledgers encrypted pages there's an audio cassette there are actually like narrative items on the kickstarter they have a picture of some dog tags there's a usb drive um there's like a wooden notebook that's got like symbols and meanings and it's crazy. So the idea is that you're solving um, a case, uh, this mystery, which I think is so it's like it's um, made by like a, an adventure group book. So it's puzzly. It is like an, this one is much more like an escape room type thing. It's like if an escape room and consulting detective had a baby. I think it would be this the messenger and immersive mystery. So it's kind of cool. It seems totally crazy. And so if you're looking for like a neat group experience or something totally different, I would check it out. There's only five days left on Kickstarter and it's 65 bucks, but you get a whole lot of interesting stuff in there. So that's messenger and immersive mystery. Yeah, I think that's kind of neat. But I wonder how many people will be turned off by like a USB just randomly coming to them in the mail. I don't know. Well, it doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> it comes in the package, but also it says if you don't, um, you don't have to, like, there's file access. So the audio cassette or, like, content from the USB drive is not required to participate in the experience. You get, like, a link to the information that you can 
access online so you don't have to use those physical things if you don't want to. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, they thought about that. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm sure they did because somebody's probably like, hey, I don't want to put this rando USB in my computer. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yep. And last, again, something different from the first two, but much more typical is pizza. Pizza. Blah, 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 blah. Pizza rush. Pizza, pizza. The card game. It's a pizza rush. So this is easy to learn um, game where you're building pizzas. And so, you know, you got to top your pizza cards. And actually what's interesting is you start with your pizza crust and then you've got, you want to add toppings to it. What's interesting is your toppings then have to increase in number order. So like if ham is a two and then I put, um, you know, extra cheese on top of that, which is an eight, I can't then later add mushrooms that are a four. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's really cool. So you're stacking the toppings and you've got to get them. And you're trying to get rid of your toppings first. And then, um, like, it's like several, it, you played over different rounds. So once you win a round, then you get, like, a chef card. Um, and there, there are different levels of chefs. Like, the first is the Nona. So she uh, has the special power. Then the second is the pro. And you give your lowest card to the novice. The person who got last is the dishy. So they wash dishes. But they get um, good cards from the Nona, so like to help you to kind of equalize stuff. So it seems like a really fun, quick little game. And who doesn't love pizza? So there's eight days left on that Kickstarter, and it's only 19 bucks, which I think is a good price point because, again, it's cards. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, I was getting ready to ask, does it have anything else other than cards? Like, does it have a playmat? Does it have anything? Is it just a box of cards? It's just a box of cards as far as I can tell, but they're like 80 cards. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, and the art is cute, um, and it looks like it'd be a fun... It says ages 6 to 86. 86? Why 86? Like an 87-year-old can't play that game? I, I don't know, <laughs> apparently. But that, it's two funny. to seven players, and it's like only 20 minutes to play, so it seems like it could be a fun, quick game, and I love pizza. I'm hungry, <laughs> apparently, so I picked Pizza Rush, but... I'm going to look it up, because um, I want to see what the art looks like. It's cute. It's like cartoony... Um, I, I feel like you can't see anybody's eyes. Everyone's eyes are closed, but they're all cute. Like the, the pro, his, his eyes are covered by his eyebrows and the dishy, his eyes are covered by his hair. And then like the pizza toppings. Oh like uh, yeah. Pizza toppings. Those are, that is cute art. Yeah. The no- I know. It's cute. The known is real cute. I know for 19 bucks. I yeah. feel like this is a, a good deal. So if you like card games, you're looking for like little fun stuff, check out pizza rush, the card game, eight days left, only $19. Yeah, that's cool. That's actually the one I'm interested in the most, I think, right there. Because it's only $19. No, because I like I think that card thing is cool where you're you're basically climbing the ladder trying to get better cards, but you're trying to decide when you want to play the high cards to not block yourself in. I think that's kind of neat. Yep. All right. And that is all I have for news this week. All right, guys and gals. It is another section of games played where we both played all of these games. that's like i think that's four weeks in a row i mean we got to make that stop i know i'm gonna go play stuff without you oh well i did play stuff without you let's talk about it a different time yeah it was almost gonna stop this week but then we didn't (laughs) have to have it stop all right so the first game that we're gonna talk about is a game that i'd never ever heard of before um it's from a company called evil hat which is a cool publishing name and it's based on an rpg called don't rest your head and the game that we played is called Don't Turn Your Back. And this is a deck building worker placement game, which sounds 
odd and it's kind of odd, but essentially what you're doing is you're starting out with the same eight or seven cards. I'm not sure how many cards you have. I think you have eight eight because you draw four. Yeah. So you draw, you have eight cards, you draw four and you're going to use those cards at different locations on the board. The trick here is not every card can be used at all locations. So you're trying to juggle which cards you want to put at certain locations. A location is going to let you spend, get pain, which is like the currency to buy cards, uh, buy additional cards. Uh, you're going to send some cards to a high school where you're going to be in pain and score points. Uh, you're going to go to a district and fight with some laws. You're going to encase yourself in wax at some point. And then there's a bazaar where you can go and use the actual text on your cards. So you're trying to, it's like a balancing act of where you want to play these cards, when you want to use these cards to put them in wax, because once they're encased in wax, they're out of the game forever. Um, which cards you're going to buy from your own personal row of cards like everybody has six cards that they can buy from on their own so no one can screw with your cards or anything which is pretty neat and yeah it it's a worker placement deck builder which is interesting with really crazy art so that's all i'm gonna say and i'll let katie tell you what she thinks about it yeah i mean the theme is whatever i'd love to see this reskinned because i think the mechanisms are really cool in it because you are deciding okay um what is going to get me the most candles which are points so where can I use the cards that I have? How can I get more cards? Um, and as usual, I love that you can play it and make different choices on how you want to play in order to win. Like we all were really close together. And it was interesting because everyone else like really played up Wax Kingdom, which is where you're banking pain in order to get really great point benefits at the end. And so I just couldn't get anything in there. So I'm like, okay, well, last place in that area gets points based on how many cards are in their deck. So I need to try and buy points. And how can I get points in the meantime to make sure I don't fall too far behind? Okay, I'm going to go to the high school. And so I'm like looking for cards that help me out the high school. And, you know, just there are so many different ways to like score points. And you only have certain a certain number of spaces at each location. So like the decisions are really tense. And then what cards do I keep? What do I want to thin out of my deck? Because they're going to be gone forever. What cards do I want to play to use the text? What cards do I want to play to use the pain points? Like there's a lot of really good stuff going on. I would just love it reskinned because the theme leaves a lot to be desired for me. But otherwise, it was like a really fun gameplay. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. The theme... Again, I don't care about theme as much, but even I thought the theme was a little wacky on this one. So I can ignore it. It's whatever, because you're just looking at the numbers of pain and the cost of cards and where they can go. But still, you have to look at all that dark, like twisted art that's on the card that's really weird for no reason at all. But yeah, it's a really cool game that I've never heard of. Super like obscure. And I think it's pretty creative, too. I don't think I've played another game that kind of does that thing, which is interesting. Yeah. Speaking of creatively themed games, the next game we played has a really interesting theme, and that's called Legacy, the Testament of Duke de Cresci. And if you watch the unboxing videos, did I unbox this? I think I did. You did, yes. You did. Okay. Can't even remember. It's already old hat to me. <laughs> um, so <laughs> in this game, you are developing like generations of a family, and you're trying to develop your family in such a way to meet these special goals to, um, you know, start making money for your family. Of course, you don't want to be completely impoverished. Um, Have friends and gain honor through your different actions 
and um, your different family members' occupations. So it is uh, worker placement and a really tight worker placement because you really don't get that many turns oh, yeah. at all. It's terrible. It's terrible. And you always want more turns and you always want to do more things. Um, but you're arranging marriages and, and um, donating to community works and getting titles and doing all these things to build the best family. Uh, so I thought the theme was really fun and, uh, I thought I really liked the game. I'd love to play it again. Yeah. This is a really cool game. It's from Portal, which is weird because it seems like Portal actually goes outside of the box sometimes with themes like Predator is about fashion. This is about building a family tree, which no one's doing that. But one of the things I really liked on this is how they each player had their own two workers. But there were also these colored workers that could only be used at certain locations on the board. But your worker could be used anywhere. So, like, if I went, took one of my workers and I went to one of those colors on the main board, and you had the color pawn that goes there, you wouldn't be able to use your pawn during that turn. You had to hold it until another turn. But if you didn't use it by the end of the generation, because you're playing three generations, then you lose it. So, there were ways to get extra pawns, but sometimes you might get an extra pawn of an action that you don't really want. So, (laughs) it's a little bit of a... A balancing act there i guess but yeah this is a really good game i like it um it takes up a ton of table space when you're building your family tree yeah so make sure you have a big table for that because it's it's <laughs> gonna be a like if you're playing four players it's gonna be four huge pyramids of cards <laughs> but it look it does look cool though we should have put the leaf in the table yeah that's true i didn't think with cards like because they're those little like mini cards like the little ticket to ride cards before they got the normal size cards mm-hmm. it's those size but it still takes up a ton of room which is crazy yeah, and it's it's really great because you're the tension with okay, I want to fulfill these things on my goals, but I want to try to get myself more chances to have more workers so I can stick and take more turns because I get like two. Uh, it's it's good, good and frustrating, but frustrating in a good way. Yeah, I guess the sign of, that's a sign of a good euro right there. Yep. All right, so the last game we're going to talk about is something that we got because Katie really likes deduction games. I do. And you may have seen this in a recent unboxing if you watch our YouTube channel at all. If not, that's fine. But Katie did an unboxing for this. And this game is called Awkward Guests. And I will let Katie talk about this because she's, I mean, I I liked it, but she's way more excited about it. So I'll let her tell you (laughs) what she thinks. I do really love deduction. And so um, I don't know how I stumbled across this. I was watching a video about something else and saw it. Um, So an awkward guest, it's, it's like the classic clue, like, there is someone who got murdered. You have this set of suspects. You have the house laid out. But instead of, you know, going around and asking, oh, do you have does do you have this card? Do you have this card? Um, you actually are almost make, you're making like trades. It's a business transaction. So uh, when it's your turn, you say, I want to know information about a certain suspect in a certain room or two rooms or two suspects, any combination of two. And then everyone goes around and looks at their cards. Your cards have then like kind of almost importance value. Things that give you really great information are threes all the way down to ones and twos. So you've got one, two or three options. And so when someone asks for information about something, you can go through and say, okay, um, I'm willing to give you these cards of information. And then you, you say, okay, here's what their value is. So then if I'm the person asking for information, I can choose. Do I want what they have? And if I do, I have to give them some of my own information of the same value or greater. So information is getting exchanged all the time. 
which is really neat. But there is so much to figure out because the clues are telling you, okay, it wasn't this type of weapon or it wasn't this type of motive or these guests were here and here. And so you have the suspects who may possibly be lying to you. You've got the household staff that are actually telling you the truth, but they're only giving you certain kinds of information that's the truth. And so you have to piece them together. You're looking at what like the coroner is telling you about the body and what was on it. I just lots of stuff happening because you have to determine the suspect and what they used to kill the victim and why they did it. And the thing is, there's so much replayability here. There's like 250 some different cards of information and there's all these different ways, different cases in the book, and they range from like an kind of an initial case to very easy, too easy, to medium, too hard, to very hard. And then in your harder um, cases, they up the difficulty by actually um, having you have an accomplice. So now you've got two people that are lying that you're trying to figure out what they're up to and what they're doing. And people are always interacting. Information is always moving. And the enemies around you decide, am I going to keep investigating or am I going to make a guess? And if you use the app, because there's a really nice app that comes with it, it's not going to tell you the solution. So you don't have to be out, which is cool. And then at the end of that round, you discard down to three cards and you get three new pieces of information. So information is always being moved, pulling, pulled in, shuffling around. It just gives you a lot of opportunity. And I, we just played like an easy case. And I still felt like, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I think I love this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have any information when we were playing this. I wasn't anywhere close. And then the person who solved it, our new hotness buddy, it was like fourth round in and he had the answer already. It was crazy. Like, I, I'm not good at deduction. So don't take what I do as like, this game is too hard. I'm just awful. But yeah, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it even though I was terrible. So the hand management thing kept me engaged because I felt like I was playing a little game with, you know, I'm trying to give you, maybe I'll give you some junky one clues to add up to three when you'll give me that bang up three clue, the one card, but I'll give you three that aren't as good for your number three. So I thought that was kind of interesting and creative. So yeah, I like this game quite a bit. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, I also did really bad at it too, and I feel like I'm not bad at deduction, so... I don't know. I just think I want to play it more often. And also it's cool that it has like a solo variant as well. You can play it solo or up to eight. And so in eight, you've got lots of information moving around and all kinds of things. So I think it'll be interesting. All player counts, but that was awkward guess. And that was a big firework right there. That was speaking of awkward. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for our feature for this podcast, I felt like I kind of touched on this a little bit in my rant last week about gamers who annoy me. And some of you took it personally, some of you who game with me, and I told you not to. If Looking I really, at you, Brandon. Looking at you, Brandon. Brandon's not the only one <laughs> who took it personally. New hotness buddy. I know you took it personally. Uh. <laughs> don't don't because if I if it really made me mad, I wouldn't game with you. Yeah, that's true. I would Fair find right. reasons to not game with you. But I don't. <laughs> so in part of my rant, one of the things that bugs me is when people teach a game really badly. And so I thought maybe those people just don't know how to teach games. And Jason and I do a lot of game teaching to a whole variety of people. And in general, 
as my occupation. I do a lot of teaching. And so I thought maybe we could give some some kind of tips that we use when teaching games. Now, yes, there are basic ways to teach games, like read the instructions and then do them, of course. Um, but we just wanted to give some kind of ways that we think might help you out a little bit. So my first one is make the main thing the main thing. So what I mean by make the main thing the main thing refers back to my rant last week where I was like, why would you bring up these random off rules for no reason and throw those out there and explain one card that only occurs on a special occasion when the moon's full and one person has stood on their head? Okay, don't. So to keep the main thing the main thing, what I mean by that is that you are saying, here's what your goal is for the game to score the most points to get these four of these win conditions so the main thing you say here's the goal of the game and then you say here's how you achieve that here's how you take a turn those are the main things that everyone needs to know in a game so i need to know what what i'm trying to do what's my main objective and then how do i go about doing it when it's my turn there might be some specialty fiddly rules, things like that. We'll get to those. But right up front, you need to tell me the main thing and keep a focus on that and not wander off into these, you know, once in a lifetime kind of scenarios, how to break a tie at the end. No, no, don't give me that. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And then if we get to those other parts, you can explain them then. And I'm okay with that. But right up front, what's the objective? What's my goal? And what do I do on my turn? Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say to that. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, I try not to teach that way. I may go off on tangents occasionally, but I try not to. I usually just say, hey, if this comes up, I'll explain it when it comes up. Well, and partially it's because I have, I when, when you start teaching me a game, I will say, what am I doing here? What is my goal? Okay, what do I do when it's my turn? If you start wandering off into Never Never Land. I try not. I've been doing better and not doing You have that. been. I totally agree. Uh, okay, so I'll start with what I have. So I was looking at your list, and your list is kind of what you're doing during the teach or what you want people to do when they're teaching you. So like say we're sitting at the table and we're getting ready to play a game. This is things. These are things that you want people to have or do to help teach the game or that you would do to help teach the game. Mine are kind of what I do to prepare to teach the game. To everybody else so i just wanted to put that differentiation in there because i'm not really going to be teaching the games with mine well i feel like that just speaks to how we interpret life in general because i am uh yeah we're not going to prepare we're just going to kind of wing it in the moment and you are a prepare type person uh, yeah kind of it does fit our personality but i just feel like if like we were talking about this when we were walking around the neighborhood i just feel like if i understand the game better i can teach it better if I don't have to look at the rule book every 37 seconds about something, like I kind of know what's going on and I can just teach out of my head, that's better for me. So that's kind of what I'm doing with mine. So for my first one, the first thing that I usually do when I get a new game or I'm getting ready to play an old game that I haven't played in a while is I'll watch a video to help me understand how the game plays. So I usually even do that before I will look through the rule book. So usually when I get a game, I'll open it, I'll punch it. I'll put everything in bags and then I'll watch a video of the game from Rado or someone who actually does a playthrough. So not like a Dice Tower review, but like Rado, John Gets Games, um, I don't know, anybody else who has a full playthrough of it. And then after that, I feel more comfortable going into a rule book reading to be able to kind of, you know, learn the game better. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to watch a video 
see how the game works in full playthrough mode to kind of wrap my head around the game and just learn how to play it a little bit better before I actually dive in to deeper detail. Yeah, I'm not going to do any of that. Like, if I watch a game and I haven't, like, seen it or read the book or anything, I don't understand the video. So that's why I don't do that. But I think also people that are different types of learners, that may work better for them. I mean, I, I'll i do both, but this is just the, the first step. Yeah. The first step in my process. That's fine. You do you, boo. Okay, so the second thing that I like to do when I'm teaching a game is I think it's, an, especially since I've taught people um, other things that aren't games, people like to learn in different ways. And so for me, like, I like to read stuff. I I, I need that kind of an interaction. Other people like to physically do see touch tangible. And so I think playing a practice round or an open hand is often very helpful for people, especially people that are those kind of learners, because then they get to see what cards look like, what pieces look like, what turns look like. They get to um, ask questions without feeling like they're stupid because everybody here is just learning and you know, all knowledge is public knowledge at that point in the game. Um, because sometimes like you'll be talking and giving instructions and you'll see people's eyes start to glaze over because if they lose focus or something doesn't make sense to them, they'll kind of wander off and check out. And so I feel like if that happens, then a way to really help reinforce the rules and explain how to play the game is to actually give them an opportunity to try it a little bit. So that's what I like to do is to do a practice round or a practice open hand. Yeah. I mean, that, that does help for some people like, cause it is a lot just sitting at the table and hearing somebody say, okay, there's 19,000 spots on this board. Now I'm going to explain these 19,000 spots to you mm-hmm. where, you know, it's a lot easier to say, okay, here's what, just let's, I'll kind of tell you what's going on. And then for the first round, we can just kind of play together or, you know, we'll do a, a test round and then we'll just reset back up and go again. Yeah, that, I mean, that is that is a good way. I don't do it that way, but that is a, a good method for sure. You don't, and sometimes it bothers me, especially like games that I feel like appear complicated, and you explain the 25,000 different places on the board. I'm like, I cannot remember this. I won't remember this. I don't think I'm going to know what's going on. Like, this is going to be terrible. And I run through that whole shame spiral in my head while being looking annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do do that. That's right. <laughs> I did that just the other day, just yesterday. I don't know if you noticed because you were sitting next to me. As, yeah, for Tribune. Yes. Yeah, I noticed a little bit. I just kept, <laughs> I just kept focusing on what I was doing. I know you just, you just plowed ahead and said, "Oh, yep. she'll figure it out. Whatever, I, I don't care. She'll, fi- she'll figure it out." Yep, that's what I said. <laughs> All right. So to to kind of go along with what Katie said about playing a practice round or an open hand, I kind of this is like one of the next things that I do in my method. So what I do is after I watch a video and after I do the last thing I'm going to talk about, so I probably should have put that up here. But what what I do is I play a two-handed solo game of the game to actually learn how the gameplay works. So what that means is I play a full two-player game. Well, maybe not always a full, but I'll play like, you know, two, three rounds of a game playing both players. So not a solo game, but I'll just simulate like Rado and Jen. So I'll be me, and then there'll be rando person over here. It's not even then, me. It's just rando. I usually say she. I don't know who's sitting over there, but... It's not <laughs> usually, me, apparently. Like In my head, I usually say she. So maybe it is you, and I just assume it's you because you're always sitting next to me. I don't know. 
Um, so that helps me kind of see how the gameplay works, how the spots work, how the spots go together. If what I saw in the video and what I read in the rule book makes sense, because if I'm going to a spot and I don't know how it pans out or if I'm doing an action, I don't know what happens next. Maybe something wasn't clear or I misread something. So that's just kind of a way for me to kind of play test if I read the rules correctly or if I understand how the game plays before I can actually go tell people how the game works. So that's one of the things I do, play two-handed solo game to get the gist of the game, to better be better prepared to teach the game. Okay. And the last thing I do, or and I don't always do this because I'm not out making these things, but and the last thing I think is a really helpful way to teach a game or that really works well with new players are player aids or turn order card turn order cards and i think more and more games are coming with them which is great um i know sometimes at first they can be really overwhelming but i think especially if there's like different phases of a game um or okay we're gonna do this and then this action happens and it triggers this to see that listed somewhere to remind a person who's new to playing the game can be really helpful so then they feel like okay I don't have to be like the idiot that's like uh when do we do this again or I mean some people don't care and they want to look like an idiot that doesn't bother them um but some people are like oh just keep quiet and just wait till they tell me what to do it's nice to be able to turn to a player aid or a turn order card and say oh okay this is what has to go next this is what I need to look forward to this is what they meant because then also seeing that again can trigger some of the rules that were maybe kind of like want 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 at the beginning you're like oh they did say that yes that's right okay that's what they meant and then it's it's almost like a rules refresher um sometimes games don't have these but amazing wonderful people like you guys make them (laughs) um and they're out on bgg often and so then you could print them out i know there's some games that jason and i played where he has done that printed out some player aids and stuff that were on bgg to kind of help us play through it or a lot of times there's places like that in the rule book that you just can make available to people so that they're able to see it and have that kind of extra help so i think that player aids turn order cards are really helpful to then say okay i know they talked about this what was that again and to kind of refresh their brain that's my last tip. Oh, yeah. There's no reason the games in 2020 and beyond should not have these in the game. There's no reason. If I'm playing a game that takes more than 45 minutes, it needs to have a player aid card. I don't care what it is. If I'm just rolling a die and putting a die somewhere, I need to have a player aid card. <laughs> I don't want like, No, I'm serious. Like, I need to say, on my turn, what can I do? They should be in front of me at all the time. Maybe not, like, I don't feel like I need it, but it should be there for someone to have if they want it in every single game. Like those things are amazing and to not put those in a game is crazy. Like Tribune should have had some of those. It did. It would have been No, it didn't. Oh, well, it's on the player board, I guess. No, I had a little thing that said here's the overview, here's the overview of the win conditions. And then the, yeah, the player board itself then showed all the bonuses that you got. No, it totally I guess that I guess that's true. You're right. Yeah. See? Bad example. You're right. That is a bad example. You're wrong. All right. I'll just move on to my third one. After I felt, felt <laughs> Why don't you give your last thing? All right. So my last thing, which really should have been thing number two, because this is what I would have done after I watched the video. And that is I would set up the game while reading the rule book. And that sounds obvious, I guess. But it's just something that if I'm setting up the game and it te- if I learn how to set it up, 
one, that saves me time when I'm actually trying to set it up later when people are over. If I take 10 less minutes setting up a game because I've already done that, that's 10 more minutes we can have playing the game or getting ready to play something else. And two, if I'm reading through the rule book while setting up, it may answer some questions that I might have later. Like, especially in rule books where they don't have pictures of setup, which is super annoying. Yes. If it's just a wall of three pages of text when you're setting up, it's easy to miss stuff there. So if I'm setting something up ahead of time and I realize, hey, there's a a spot here that I don't have anything, I can go back to the rule book and say, oh, I missed line 73 on page 14 that references setup, and I can fix that and I know what to do next time. So simple thing, but I think it's invaluable because it's going to save time and it's going to make sure that you have the game set up appropriately every single time. Well, and especially when you mentioned like instruct rule books that don't have pictures, sometimes they'll reference certain um, like player pieces or certain cards or whatever. And you're like, I don't know which one that is. Like they'll give them all these names and they've never shown you what that named thing is. So I think that that's another really good reason why it's nice to go through, read the rule book and set it up so you can make sure you have all the parts identified. So when you explain them, you know what each thing is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what the theme is. I'm just going to say, hey, the red deck here, the green deck here, or, you know, the black piece or the yellow piece. <laughs> so right. I'm still going to kill the theme, but yeah. Yeah, but later on the rules, it'll say, okay, everyone who does this pick a thing gets this kind of token. Well, if you don't know what those tokens are, or you're, you're not sure if it's one or the other thing, you know, it's helpful to have looked through the components along as you're reading the rule book and doing the setup so that you know what's what. That is true. That is true. Thank you. So yeah, that's setting up the game while reading the rule book is my last one. So... Those six things kind of together are how Jason and I teach games. A lot of times Jason does all this background work and then I jump in and do some of this other stuff where I'm like, hey, let's do an open hand or um, let me kind of explain to you what the main thing is and make sure that that we don't lose focus on that. Um, So what about you guys? Do you teach games a lot or do you let other people teach you games? If other people teach you games, what's helpful? Or I know we have quite a few solo players Um, among our listeners and so you're teaching yourself which is different what do you do to learn a game for yourself and then if you turn around and teach that to somebody else do you use the same methods i'm so curious so tell us find us on facebook post on the board game mechanics or even better join our facebook group hashtag the riveted where all the cool people okay well all the pretty okay people are hanging out and talking about games let's let's not get too carried away i mean come on i mean i'm there And I'm looking for a new favorite. Oh, yeah, that's right. Katie's Fickle Favorites. Yeah. (laughs) So you need to join that that group and start chatting with us. Um, Instagram, Twitter, send us a private message. Send us an email. Um, Katie at bgmechanics.com. You can email me. Yep, she has an email now. hey I'm legit. Also, (laughs) definitely check out our YouTube page. It might be a way for you to learn a new game. Um, or just look at me unbox some crap <laughs> so you can see what games are coming up. Um, so like, subscribe there. We just love to hear from you guys. The Riveted is really the best group probably out there on social media right now. And we want to spread our love of board games. So tell us how you teach games. Well, that's yep. pretty much all I got for tonight. Me too. And if you teach me a game, uh, I'm just going to add this as a little bonus flavor. If you teach me a game, just remember, I do know how to play games. I've played lots of games before. 
so we don't have to teach it like I don't know anything. Just, yeah. just, just leave that in there. We'll leave that in there. That's another pet peeve. Like, um, since we game a lot, like, we don't need to play the introductory scenario. You can say, okay, this is a drafting game, like such and such game, or here, this is a basic deck builder, so here's your deck, and you're going to draw four. You know, those kind of things. It's uh, in in teaching, we call it scaffolding, which I mentioned before. So if you have prior knowledge, you can use that to lead someone to new knowledge, which in this case of board games, we have old board game knowledge. And if you teach me a game and you sit there and you just blankly read seven pages of rules, I will punch you in the throat. <laughs> I didn't mean to take us back down this uh, this rabbit hole. I just wanted to add that in that, you know, know your audience sometime when you're teaching too. That was a little bonus uh tidbit i guess so like if, if i know how to play a game you don't have to act like i've never played a game in my life so it'll be helpful that's basic all anytime you're doing any kind of public speaking whether it's teaching or a speech or a job interview or anything knowing your audience is the number one thing i teach it in writing knowing your audience is important knowing what their prior knowledge is knowing what their level of education and familiarity is knowing if they have any other beliefs or things to overcome if they're colorblind whatever you have to work with knowing your audience definitely i would say is probably the number one instruction tip that i would give you i agree with that 100 percent. so that's just a little bonus everybody all right we've gone on long enough i'm hungry <laughs> jason promised me a speedy freeze at the end of this so i'm gonna wrap it up <laughs> Speedway, give us free things. Hashtag, you need to sponsor our podcast. Never going to happen. It's not. But if we keep saying it, maybe it will. I, Name it, claim it. We don't want to stop it. Stop it. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> we don't want a sponsorship because we're not corporate sellouts, okay? We don't roll like that. We're going to be pretty okay all by ourselves without anybody else telling us what to do. But what if we were able to get as many bags of pickles and bottles of Mountain Dew Zero that we could get. You know I love the pickle chips. Yeah, that, that'll that change your tune, huh? Miss no, corporate sellout. No, it won't. It won't. I'll buy my own pickles. Raging, I'll buy my own pickles. against that machine, huh? Oh, calm down, Tom Rello, okay? <laughs> You've derailed. We're done. I'm ending it before you can say something else stupid. Stop. All right. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Rage against the machine. You're embarrassing me. I want to make this the outtake because it'll be funny just so people can hear it. See? He's playing classic rock. Oh, yeah, I told you it's right. not always country. Gosh. We we live in a neighborhood of degenerates. <laughs> we sound like those cranky old people who like when the kid steps on their lawn. Get they off go my there, lawn! Like, I don't care. I'll, ch I'll chase him with my cane ridiculous.